You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Drop the beat, Beamer. Hey. Welcome into the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. I'm Matt Hayes from 97.1 The Fan, joined by my main man in crime, Brandon Beam, also from 97.1 The Fan. Beamer, how was the weekend? Matty, it was good, man. We had a uh, we had a Buckeye rolling, yeah, which we we'll did. get to uh, here in a couple seconds. We had the opening of the NFL weekend, which was fantastic. You know, uh, you were doing a few things for the radio station. We came out. Um, all the way up until about 1230 until the kickoff started to roll. Uh, But it was great, man. It was a great weekend. Football is back. And uh, for the people who aren't listening in Columbus, we finally had a taste of football weather here this weekend, too. It was rainy. It was overcast. It was 65 degrees. Absolutely beautiful football weather in the great state of Ohio. So, no, man, it was good. How was your weekend? It was great, man. It was good to see you yesterday. We did a little fantasy event out in Hilliard at a little local bar here. Did a lot of NFL stuff there. But you mentioned it. I mean, the weather changing was absolutely ridiculous. Like, I had to go in the closet and pull out sweatshirts and hoodies. I was like, what is going on right now? I know. It's hoodie season now. What is going on right now? I did see we got a couple more 80-degree days on the docket. So, that's kind of discouraging because I love fall weather. I love when it gets cool. I love when you get to sit at the crib and watch football all day in your sweatpants and not do anything. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. It's a great time of the year. So last time when we talked to you guys, the Buckeyes rolled the Beavers of Oregon State at home and pretty much got the same storyline coming out of Saturday's game against Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights. The Buckeyes took them down their first Big Ten game of the year, 52-3. to And look, I think we have to start with the guy behind center who is absolutely shredding defenses. And you can already tell, Beamer, the difference that he is making with his skill set and these receivers that can get downfield and beat opponents. Obviously, Rutgers was clearly overmatched in what they were doing on Saturday, but it was just so good to see him get the ball out on time and get it to receivers in stride like we saw from week one. That was really encouraging for me. And moving forward, obviously, now that we're in TCU week, it'll be a step up in competition, but I feel really good about what Dwayne did again. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at what Dwayne Haskins is able to do, and I know we're only through the first two games of the season, uh, but you know we talked the entire offseason about how is Dwayne Haskins going to be able to manage the pressure of being a big-time college quarterback, you know, wearing that scarlet and gray, being the play caller out there. And for the first two games, Matty, I mean, the guy's passed every single eye test you could ask him no ask doubt. him to do. I mean, just the way that he's throwing balls down the field, he looks like he's got a great command of the offense. Everything that Dwayne Haskins is doing is in a rhythm. And I know that Rutgers lost Blasson Austin. You know, that was probably yep. their top playmaker in the secondary. So a weak unit uh, in the Rutgers defense got weaker on Saturday uh, without the inclusion of him playing in the game. Uh, but you still, you know, you have to go out there and play the opponents that you're matched up against. Sure. And Rutgers was an inferior opponent. Ohio State rolled. But yeah, man, Dwayne Haskins has been just absolutely out of his mind for the past two weeks. I mean, he's got 500-plus yards. He's got nine touchdowns on the season and only 11 <laughs> incompletions. I mean, nine touchdowns, yeah. 11 incompletions. That's yeah. crazy. It, we have never seen a start like that to a Buckeye football team. No, I'm really getting strong Troy Smith vibes from Dwayne yeah. Haskins as far as just a pure pocket passer because before Dwayne came onto the scene, Troy was the purest Ohio State quarterback that I've ever seen. In my lifetime. Sure. I mean, obviously, you've had Braxton, the the offense, TP, everything. JT. Those guys are yeah. cut, cut from a different cloth, especially when you talk about Urban's offense and those guys using their legs a ton. And we're not seeing that right now from Dwayne because it's not 
needed. I think this guy is doing exactly what he needs to do. I mean, you mentioned the numbers, Beam. 20 of 23, yeah. 233 for four TDs and no picks in this game. And I even go back to the pick last uh, last week against Oregon State, and I thought it was a bit fluky. I mean, you get the center, the guard, I can't remember who it was, pushed right into his lap. Sure. He rushes the throw right there. You can understand that. That's a young mistake. You obviously don't want to see that consistently, but I don't put that at just, <coughs> excuse me, an ill-advised decision by Dwayne Haskins just misreading the defense or going to a guy that's double or triple teamed. I think Buckeye Nation has to feel really good about what they're getting him from him right now because it's consistent. I think from last year, the Michigan game, carrying over to Oregon State now into Rutgers, I think I know who Dwayne Haskins is. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's just the most impressive thing to me about Dwayne Haskins. And give I give a ton of credit to his success right now, his early season success, to Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day. Have because to. for so long, yep. under this Urban Meyer offense, you have seen time in, time out, time and time again, that when Ohio State starts to roll, it's by the quarterback run. And that has been Ohio State's MO since Urban Meyer got on campus, right. was that his first season, you had Braxton. Second season, Braxton go, goes down. You unleash JT Barrett. And that has always been your style of offense. Yeah. has been the quarterback run. You have the option to hand it off to one of your running backs, or you have the quarterback run it. And I think for the first two games that we're seeing a offense – who is tailor made for a big time pocket quarterback? Perfect. You know you have. That's what I said. You have the leading. You had your top six receivers back on offense. You knew that the receiver group was going to be deadly. Yeah. If if they designed the offense for Dwayne Haskins, yes. now totally different. If they were to go in and say, "Hey, we're going to run the same style. We're going to have our quarterback run the ball." No, throw all that out the window. You no have a seven hundred and fifty horsepower Ferrari sitting in your Drive garage. It. Drive drop it. the top, drop the top, and drive it. Absolutely, you go over the autobahn and you floor exactly. that sucker to 180, exactly. and that's what's happened through the first two yes. weeks. I and and the thing is, the crazy thing, Maddie, is that every season you come into Ohio State football with tons and tons of expectations. Yep. You come in here and you think that this team has national championship aspirations. They have the talent level. They have the expectations every single year. And I am so excited to watch these guys moving forward. Because if they keep the same style of offense, which I, I believe that they will, even when Urban comes back and yeah. gets his hands on the I offense. I hope that's the case. And I do too. But you like, I'm so excited for Ohio State football to know that, yeah, you beat Rutgers 52-3, to yeah. but you did it through the air. For the most part, right. and you haven't really un—you didn't unleash Weber yeah. or Dobbins. No, and we'll get more to the rest of the offense in our next segment here. I think just the main thing that we want to focus on—I'm sure that you guys want to hear us talk about—is Dwayne Haskins. He's the new toy, and it's paying major dividends for what this offense is going to do. I think that is going to be interesting to monitor when Urban does return. We'll get more into that next week after the TCU game when he's back in full swing for things with the Buckeyes. But I just think right now, Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson—they're doing such a good job of calling the off cater the offense sure. to him and also I want to give credit to Brian Hartline because you're seeing a difference Absolutely. in what's happening with these receivers I mean there was a big problem the last two years here at Ohio State about separation with the wide receiver you're being group. taught we, to run into defenders exactly I can't understand that for the life of me no idea why they were doing that we heard Urban address it multiple times about how his guys just weren't separating and we knew they had the athleticism to do so of course so they do there's four and five star recruits <laughs> exactly. coming in here and you're talking about Paris Campbell who's a blazer Johnny Dixon who now I think is it all he does is catch touchdowns. That's it. He doesn't I mean, catch anything else unless it's worth 
six points. Going back to last year, I mean, the storyline about Johnny Dixon was he couldn't stay healthy. It was a lot like Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore was here during his time at Ohio State. He couldn't get on the field, right? right? We knew he could be a good player, but he couldn't get out there. Same with Johnny Dixon. And now he's healthy, and he is out there absolutely balling. And I just think with the cannon of Dwayne Haskins and the speed of those guys, the safeties have to back off, and they have to be true to what they're seeing. Because if you don't, it's going to be over your head for six more times than not. Yeah, and it's just it's crazy to me that you know you've got KJ Hill, you have Terry McLaurin, you've got Austin Mack, you've got Johnny Dixon. We've had a Ben Victor sighting finally. Right, and, finally. And, and these, and, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. This is a team that I'm so high on because the offense is so good, and it's just amazing. And I really do. I hope once Urban comes back that we're going to be sitting here and seeing the same kind of offense. But we're going to know week four when Tulane rolls exactly. around, when Ohio State plays in the horseshoe against yep. Tulane, you are going to know right away yeah. if Urban Meyer still has the trust in Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson. Because if you see Dwayne Haskins runs, run the ball for eight or nine, ten I'm times. Gonna, I'm not going to dig that. No, and I won't either because he is a drop back, prototypical pocket passer. He's a pro-style quarterback. Absolutely he is. He's a pro-style quarterback, and that is a major difference, and I just think it's it's exactly what you need. Not that he can't run, because he can. It's just you don't need him to. Absolutely. Just because of everything you just laid out, Beamer, all the guys that returned, it's veteran leadership. They know what they're doing at this point. And I think now, like I said, with Brian Hartline coaching those guys up, I think it is limitless what they can do this year offensively, especially with those wide receivers. And I haven't even got to the tight ends. I really like Rashad Barry. I think he can be a good player. We saw Farrell's been good. Farrell's been good. And Rucker, everybody loves what he's going to be able to do or think what he can do in his future here at Ohio State. So no doubt about it. I mean, I really, really love what I'm seeing from Dwayne Haskins. I mean, just looking at the box score, I mean, you had Johnny Dixon, four for 89. Paris Campbell, five for 64. I mean, they were just spreading this thing around. I mean, K.J. Hill had five catches only for 25 yards, but it makes it so hard to defend when you don't know who the guy is week in and week out in a wide receiver group. And I kind of like sure, it. Sure, who are you going to double? Right. Who are you going to? You can't. You can't. You have no. to leave your safety up high and you have to give them a lot of room to roam because if you bring that safety down at all, you're, going, you're toast. Dead. You are absolutely toast. So we'll get more into the rest of the offense in our next block here. I just want to let you know that the Locked On Buckeye podcast is brought to you by Vivid Seats and My Bookie. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back and talk more about the Ohio State offense. You are Locked On Buckeyes, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. All right, so we're back here, and I, you mentioned the running game, and I think it's important that we yeah. do bring this up because last week against Oregon State, it was the Mike Weber show, mm-hmm. and this week I thought they made a real effort to get J.K. Dobbins really involved, which I have no problem with because you're talking about two 1,000-yard running backs coming back Two this Clydesdales season. in the stable. Exactly, and these guys are absolute Horses. So you end the game with J.K. Dobbins, 12 for 73, 6 a pop, and 1 TD. Mike Weber, only 8 touches for 31, 3, 3.9 yards per touch, and no touchdowns. And that's okay because it wasn't needed. J.K. Dobbins is a really, really good running back, and they will be perfectly fine with whatever running back is back there because those guys are really talented, but this offensive line is moving cats out of the way. Yeah, and I just, you know, you can't speak to it enough because – this is a team, Maddie, that I think we will see evolve towards the end of the year, and you're really going to play your opponent whichever way that you want to because right. you're Ohio State. By the end of the year, defenses will be having to adjust to you. But it's so refreshing, and it's such a mental ease to think that you have an offense that can beat you through the air long, they can beat you over the top, they can beat you short, they can beat you with crossing patterns, they can beat you on the outside. And if the tough gets going and you get into a really, you know, 
slugfest game, right. they can beat you on the ground yeah. too. And I think that, that they have everything that you need to reach the ultimate pinnacle for Ohio State football, and yeah. that would be a national championship. When you look at J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, you know we talked about it a little bit on Friday in here. The hype surrounding J.K. Dobbins was so real this season. And I do. I feel like Mike Weber, you know, and even us including when we're doing our regular shows on the fan every day, you know, we were talking about J.K. Dobbins all the way through the offseason. There has to be some amount of disrespect felt for Mike Weber because he wasn't right the whole season last year. And you did. You saw him towards the end of the year when he did get right, how he's still going to be an electric, just electrifying playmaker. And so the fact that you can have two guys like that who can go out and break a game at any point. It's so valuable. It's unbelievable the talent of this offense. They just need to be put into the right spots. That's it. And I kind of love we've seen a couple plays this season so far through two games where both of those guys are in the backfield together. I think that's really dangerous. And I think Mike Weber's a good blocker. J.K.'s a pretty good blocker. So you can do whatever you want with him. And this is an absolute freak show of an offense, what we're seeing so far. Now, we got to wait and see what they'll do against TCU. Obviously, this is going to be the most formidable, Big formidable boy opponent, opponent right there. so far in week three. I get that. But I just don't see them getting a lot of pushbacks from teams just because of what's happening down in the trenches. I mean, you're talking about Thayer Mumford, who's really blowing my mind at left tackle right now. I didn't know what to expect from him there, as well as Michael Jordan sliding down to center, because that has been such a valuable position for this Ohio State offense the last couple years, like we were talking about on Friday. Pat Elfline, Billy Price, those guys are starting on Sundays now for one of those is for a really good team. And for the Bengals, they're up and coming. I think they got a chance to make some noise now because of Billy Price emerging there and those issues that they've had down there in Cincinnati on the offensive line. But now you look at what Ohio State's going to be able to do with this offensive line. They're massive, too. And they're almost 6'7 oh, across did you, the board. I mean, they, they flashed up the, um, you know, the, the uh, height I don't and even, weight. Not, yeah, I don't even know if it was like a stat, but they did. Right. They flashed up the height and weight and they compared an Ohio State offensive lineman to the Rutgers defensive line. And the average for Ohio State, I want to say, is somewhere around 6'6. 315 pounds like that's your average offensive line height and weight for Ohio State and then going up against the Rutgers defense which were they were just totally outmatched uh this game they had a few good plays but I want to say that the Rutgers defensive line was averaging like 6'2 284 Mm -hmm. all right when you illustrate that that your offensive line has an average of four inches and 30 pounds on the man in front of him that's it's man versus boys. That's what it is, and that's what Rutgers got. And I think you know for their first Big Ten game, it was a measuring stick. We knew that the past two years heading into this matchup, it was 114 to nothing. <laughs> they got on the board, they were fine, uh, but 52 to three, the final score. It just shows you that Chris Ash has a long way to go oh. with that team. But yeah, the offensive line, I have been supremely impressed. Yes, because it, you you're giving Dwayne Haskins time. He doesn't need to flush the pocket, and you're giving your two running backs time to look at holes and look through seams and be able yeah. to be a patient runner. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing. And you talk about Malcolm Pridgen finally getting onto the scene. You heard a lot. He was a junior college transfer finally coming over. The potential was always there from everything you hear. But now he's in there Look in good. the trenches, and he looks good. Isaiah Prince on the outside. Look, two years ago, let's face it, it was a problem. It was a big problem. Sure. I remember the Penn State game. Everybody was all over him. He did not have a good game. And Buckeye fans weren't encouraged by what he was putting out there as a product, as the right tackle. And I get it. But now, I think it's, he's done a complete 360 for what he's been able to do so far, even going back to last year a little bit. he's He's gotten so much 
better. And I think we have to give credit to Greg Studwara, the offensive line coach, because he has got these guys to turn a bit of a corner here because of just how consistent that he's put out offensive lines the last couple of years. And I think it's a valuable thing because you can have all this talent you want on the outside, and you can have two stud running backs and a good quarterback like Ohio State has. But if you can't block a soul, those guys can't do anything. Right. So it doesn't matter. So those guys giving Dwayne these running backs, these tight ends, these receivers a ton of time is going to be such a valuable thing moving forward. And I just love Michael Jordan at center. I mean, you're talking about yep. you never really see centers that big. Ever. No, and that's that was you know kind of shocking to me when Michael Jordan you know we heard all throughout training camp and everything that there was a potential he could slide over. But when you look at you know Billy Price and Pat Elfline, the past two Remington Award winners for Ohio State, those guys aren't necessarily big. Right. You know they're they're physical. Yes, obviously they're sure. bi- they're big human beings. Right. But when you talk about a center who's six seven, three hundred twenty pounds, oof. I mean that is ma- that's a left tackle size yeah. in the NFL. Absolutely and this guy's is. snapping the ball. Yeah. Um. You know I was a little bit worried. That they were gonna, he was gonna be too big at center, sure. you know, because we always have this this notion and this fear of, well, will the quarterback be able to see right. in front of his offensive line? Will he be able to see the downfield patterns? Will he be able to have the vision that he needs to get the ball down the field? But I, I've been supremely impressed uh, throughout the first two weeks. But this this week, Maddie, that we're living in, we're living in a TCU week. This is where it gets real yep. because you're going on the road. I guess it's technically a neutral game. But we but know Buckeye Nation is going to show up. Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to be down there. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually a 60-40 Buckeye split, <laughs> even though TCU <laughs> is right only 40 minutes away right. from Arlington. Right. I would, you know, the way that Ohio State travels, but, you know, we're living in a big-time week now yeah. where this is the measuring stick. Yep. Because the first two games, you go in, you're like, yes, Ohio State talent alone, right. they're going to win these two games. Yeah. Now, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what – Coach Stud draws up for his O-line. You know that place is going to be rocking, you know, first couple series. Um, But, yeah, it's just – it's going to be such a huge game against TCU come Saturday, and I couldn't look more forward to it. I think it's a great matchup. Um, So we'll see what happens – Along the lines, but yeah, the Ohio State offensive line to me for the the first two games of the season, Love it. albeit you know with a little bit of caution sure. because it was Oregon State and Rutgers, no doubt they have not really set any foot wrong so far. No, I agree. And you also talk about just you know doing a little TCU preview here. We'll obviously get into more of that later in the week, probably on Friday. But the Gary Patterson Ryan Day thing is interesting because yeah. now we're talking about Ryan Day two and zero in his head coaching resume. He looks really good. But now you get over on the opposite sideline, one of the best coaches in the last fifteen years sure. in the sport. So this is going to be a big measuring stick for him as well. I think they've got a big D lineman that's been out for the year since the, yeah, since the preseason. I can't remember his yep. name. We'll get that to you later in the week. But they're a little uh, diminished there on the defensive line, especially with this offensive line rolling the way they are. But you know, Beam, that Gary Patterson is going to have a really, really good game plan for his Horn Fogs come Saturday evening. Is it a night? Is it what, what time? Yeah, is that eight o'clock. Is it eight, eight o'clock? o'clock kick. College oh, yeah. game day is going to be in the house, so it's going to be rocking down there for sure. It is going to be fun to monitor how much Buckeye Nation shows up because I remember a couple years ago when Kenny Guyton when they went out to Cal. Kenny Guyton sure. was a quarterback. And oh it really man, was almost probably 70-30 Buckeyes on the left coast. It's Stadium Ohio rolling around the Rose Bowl, <laughs> which was gross. Exactly. Real quick before we move on to our last block here, I want to get your take on Tate Martell. Not. Now I was Boy. impressed, but the timing of him coming to into the game, I was. I still don't eh. like it. I still don't like it. I didn't know. I didn't think it was necessary at the time. No, I'm all in. He's got to get reps because he's one play away from being the quarterback sure. of a team that can win a national championship. So I understand 
that. But the timing of the game, I believe it was 21 nothing in the second quarter. It wasn't necessarily out of hand yet, even though we all knew the game was over. But freakier things have happened in college football. The timing of him coming in, what did you think of that? Yeah, I, I don't like it. Uh, you know, obviously I understand. And I think a lot of you know Ohio, Ohio State fans understand that you need to put him in the game because exactly what you said, you know, you're one play away from being the starting quarterback of a team with national championship hopes, right. and you need to get meaningful game reps. I just don't like throwing him into the game that early. I know that Clemson is doing it. I know that Alabama is doing it. But at the same time, I think you need Dwayne Haskins to feel like an absolute Goliath when he laces him up sure. for Saturday night down in Jerry World. Right. I don't like the timing of it. I understand the need to get him into the game, yeah. but I don't like getting him in in the first quarter, you know, early second. I just I think you need to let your guy Dwayne Haskins yeah. have some confidence. I agree. And I, he has confidence. A ton. He has the confidence, but you need to keep him in the games and let him roll right. a little bit. I agree. And I just think sometimes obviously guys are cut from different cloths. I understand that guys are built different differently mentally but there's some guys I would have to imagine in that scenario that wouldn't love Tate Martell coming at 21 to nothing early in the second quarter sure. like we're dominating this thing let's get to 40 points and we can put Tate Martell in the rest of the second half I have no problem with it I'm not trying to make a big deal out of this I just thought it was very interesting that he got in that early in the game where there was a ton of one still on the field and it wasn't blowout city yet so it's going to be something to monitor. Now, from the football side, from what Tate did, it was impressive. I mean, you talk about 10, 10 of 10, 10 120. Leading rusher in the right, game. A deep bomb to Terry McLaurin. I mean, he stepped up in the pocket. I thought that was encouraging to see that he didn't just feel pressure and try to run out of there because we know he can do that. Yeah. We know he's got nasty legs. He can dance on people all day long. But when that pressure comes, can you step up in the pocket and deliver a strike? And he did that to Terry McLaurin. That's encouraging to me because the RPO stuff – if we had Tate Martell as a starter under Urban, it would be a lot like JT Barrett. I would of have course to imagine. it would be. Yeah. But now, when you've got Tate Martell and Dwayne Haskins, I can see what the coaches are thinking a little bit. I won't like this at all if we see Tate Martell come in Saturday. I don't like TC. a no. I don't and, like and a, a split, package. No, a special package. I won't like that. No, I don't like a split quarterback system at all. I think you have your guy. Um, you he won the starting job for a reason. He won the starting job for a reason. You keep him in the game. If it's going to be a close game, you need number seven in. At all times. So it'll be extremely fascinating to see on Saturday if they do drop Tate Martell in, you know, sometime late in the first quarter, yeah. if they drop him in for a drive. I hope they don't, and that's nothing personally against right. Tate. I would just prefer Dwayne Haskins to be in the game at all times in a highly anticipated Going to be a close matchup on Saturday. I agree. We've got to take a quick break here, and we'll hit on the defense on the opposite side. want to let you know the Locked On Buckeyes podcast is brought to you by MyBookie and FanDuel. This is Locked On Buckeyes. Your team every day. All right, Ben, we got a couple more minutes here before we get out of here on this Monday. The the defensive side of the ball. Look, we can always start with Nick Bosa. He was wrecking the game. Five total tackles, five solo, one sack, three tackles for oh, loss. Man, he's just nasty. I mean, he just he's as advertised, right? Wasn't I mean, Tariq Cole the uh, their left tackle? You know, before and it wasn't even like that big of a trash talk, you know. But it was just it. it, it you just was, don't do it, right? When you, when you say that. You know, people talk a lot about Joey Bosa, and I've been blocking Nick for years, and I haven't given up a sack yet. It's like, just just steer away from Come that, on, man. Bro. You don't need it. Exactly. It's one of the best D-linemen in the country. If right. you watch any film, you know that. And that is me 100% not yeah. even having the scarlet goggles on. You watch a football game, you know. and you say Nick Bosa is the real deal. Yep. Look at the way. The guy's like sculpted like a Greek god, <laughs> and he comes off the ball like yeah. a, a speeding bullet. It's I incredible. mean, he, he's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know that every single game that he's going to be in, 
in. Uh, he's going to be a dominant force. He's yep. going to be an X factor on the defensive line. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's just I, I don't know what you do. If you're an opposing offense, I don't know how you game plan for that defensive line. No, I have no idea. It's kind of just a good luck. You're going to have to have elite tackle play because these guys are coming off the edge and they are rushing in a hurry. I mean, it's to the point being where these quarterbacks barely have two seconds to get the ball. Right. I mean, that's how elite Nick Bosa, Chase Young, these guys are. And I think a lot, one guy that doesn't get a ton of love that needs to get love is BB Landers. My guy. Your guy from Dayton down love there him. in that area. I mean, he gets into that A gap. Big game, Bob. And disrupts things. Yeah. Like it's his business. I mean, it is absolutely special to watch him get in there. He's handing out fruit roll-ups to fans and stuff before the game. I love this guy. Out of the guy. golden football. I love this guy. He is absolutely he is special. So you're talking about B.B. Landers and Draymond Jones having really good pass rush. From Jay Sean in, Cornell was all over the place. All over the place, but inside pass rush. Yeah. So that guard-center-guard combination, you're getting really good push from that position with those guys on the outside. Then you isolate on the island it's for not, it's Bosa for, and Young. What can you do? I don't know. Do? I don't know. Exactly. And if I'm an offensive coordinator and I know that the Buckeyes are going to be on the schedule, I don't know how you game plan for it. You think with a lot of, you know, quick screens right. and quick hitters over the middle, but with the reinsertion of Tough Borland into the game, <laughs> right. Jordan Fuller comes back and those are two key cogs, probably the most important pieces at their units, and then you have that D-line. Mat- I I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't I, know how I don't I just I I don't know how you game plan for an Ohio State defense. It is scary stuff. Look, Art Sikowski went out with a shoulder injury. We didn't see him yeah, return guy. in the second half. He finished the game 6 of 18, 38 yards. He was shook, man. That's a true freshman coming into of the course, horseshoe. Of course. A and rainy we, day. We said it Friday. Yeah. Never in his life has he played against a talent that he played no. against on Saturday. Look, they finished the game with 65 total passing yards. Boy. 69 total rushing yards. Raheem Blackshear, you pointed him out on Friday as a guy to watch. Nine carries, 31 yards, yeah. 3.4 pop. I mean, they just could not get anything going at all. And look, we kind of knew the game was going to go this way. It reassures that this team, Ohio State team, is who we think they can be, and that's a national championship caliber Absolutely team. Absolutely they are. Especially when you're talking about what else is going on in the Big Ten, the Big Ten Ace, and maybe we can get into that later in the week, how that could affect oh, Ohio man. State and their scheduling. We'll get can't into drop all- a game now. You can't. I mean, this is stuff that you kind of got to root for these Big Ten East teams to continue to play well because you want Ohio State's resume to be as strong as possible. But they got to take care of TCU first. Any closing words, be on just what you like from Saturday, what you didn't like, and just moving forward, what you're expecting? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look back on Saturday, uh, the biggest thing that I took away, um, it's great to have Tough Borland and Jordan Fuller back yeah. in the defense. Like I said, they're the most important pieces at their units. Tough Borland at the linebacker position. Jordan Fuller anchoring down that secondary. You saw them tighten up the screws this week on yep. defense. They got a little loose against Oregon State. Jocelyn Went played in that game. He still needs a little more work, sure. obviously, un- until he steps in and becomes a full-time starter for Ohio State. The potential is there. Tough Borland flying around the field making plays. It's good to have them back. And, um, you know, last thing I want to say is congratulations to Ohio State. Team win number 900. That's it. They're the only – there's only two teams. It's them and Michigan with the 900-win plateau. So big yeah. congratulations to him. And a future Jack Park trivia question in 30 you know years. It. Which head coach got Ohio State to win number 900? Yes. That would be one Ryan Day. That would be one Ryan Day. And while we're doing shout-outs, we work with the guy. So we got to give James Lurnitis some love for oh, becoming an yep. Ohio State Hall of Famer. Great dude. Uh, he's definitely deserving of that. All right, that's our first episode of the week. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast with Matt Hayes and Brandy Bean, Bean from 97.1 The Fan.